Mr. Manager. Oh, Mayor, members of council, um, we're going to um, test uh, uh, or validate maybe a couple of two or three of y'all's objectives over the last several months. Uh, one of them was you uh, wanted to meet more frequently. So this is three in a row, about to be four in a row next week. So we're going to find out if you get tired of seeing us or not. Uh, so the uh, NLC uh, you know, caused a little bit of juggling last time. So uh, it feels like uh, every day is Tuesday. <laughs> um, and uh, we're also going to... Um, you know, tonight continues the theme of uh, 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 following housing, education, public safety in, in terms of these work sessions and making sure that the, the topics are um, uh, focused on your priorities and the things that you all want and um, uh, moving toward less uh, presentations and more deliberations and conversations. And so tonight's theme is, is education. And we'll spend some time talking about uh, Commission on Lifelong Learning. And frankly, I'm going to spend a little bit of time. Suzanne Perry is going to help us a little bit. This is a follow-up to the retreat. We're really looking for you all to have some conversation of what it is you want to accomplish. And we'll, uh, we'll tee that piece up. Um, Norfolk Emerging Leaders, um, Daryl Crittenden and Wayne Green are going to step up and uh, give you a presentation. And um, I think you all know about this program. I'm not sure the community knows it as, as well as perhaps they should. And it's, it, I got to tell you, it's a fantastic program. And what, what, what you all have done over the years in terms of bringing young talent into the organization, there's a great slide at the end that uh, uh, Mr. Thomas and I were just looking at of, of alumni, if you will, that have, that have landed in the organization and are having a real impact on the organization. So that, uh, I think, would be a fun one to hear. We've got uh, two or three closed, actually three now, closed session items. We'll jump into closed session. Uh, depending on how that conversation goes around uh, lifelong learning, uh, if we end that, uh, you know, by 6.15 or 6.30, then I think it's probably, Bernard and I were talking, it's probably worth having a little bit of a conversation about the um, ARB appeal process. You've got an appeal out there tonight. It's probably good to just, uh, you haven't had one in a long time. It's going to walk everybody through what we'll do. So we'll <coughs> do that uh, if we have time. Before we do all that, um, I want to ask uh, Economic Development Director Chuck Rigney to, to step up. And you're voting on a, an item tonight uh, down in Ocean View, a development project that uh, we've certainly talked about a lot as a group, uh, but, but uh, really haven't talked about it much uh, publicly. So I just want the uh, folks at home and the folks in, in the uh, chambers to understand what we're doing tonight. And so I'm going to ask Chuck to step up and take a couple minutes and talk you through that. Good evening, Mr. Mayor, members of council. Uh, just an update on our Pinewell Station. A project, as everybody knows, the breeding companies have come in and and made us an offer. Uh, uh, can we uh, flip it here? Thanks. So, as we have, everybody knows, we were dealing with ZP development. The deal didn't uh, go down, and uh, uh, what we have, uh, we went out and and the breeding company is interested in building a 145 unit apartment complex on the site, uh, and uh, uh, they have a uh, same sales price at 1.285. Um, that was the former site plan, and again, I would caution everybody that this project will be going through uh, ARB and uh, the Planning Commission. Uh, the new site plan and the elevations that they are proposing are, as they understand it, uh, going to be required to go through ARB, and, and regardless of uh, uh, what this particular site plan might look like, uh, they, they understand that they've got to satisfy ARB and the Planning Commission if you noticed uh, the big change, I think, uh, in, in addition to one building as opposed to the uh, site plan uh, that you see here with basically three project, uh, three buildings, uh, is they've moved everything from the AQ line there. Um, 
and moved a larger amenity package, the swimming pool and the um, fitness center on that other side of the line and they have proposed a tot lot and a uh, dog park uh, along with the uh, tree easement area, the public green space. Uh, everything along that line then would uh, certainly satisfy the Navy's requirements in working with them to ensure that they're not concerned about uh, development on that site. They would have a uh, secured entranceways here and here. There is no access off Norfolk Avenue or any uh, outlet onto Chesapeake uh, Boulevard with this particular uh, proposed site plan. Um, basically, what we would then propose is that uh, we would move forward with the approval of the contract uh, and understanding that the project still needs to go into site plan review, ARB approval, and planning commission approvals uh, for the rezoning. Thank you, Chuck. Okay. Um, so, again, a, a project that's gotten a lot of conversation in that community uh, of Ocean View, but really not so much uh, public places when they might understand what we're uh, looking at doing tonight. Um, with that said, <coughs> the Commission on Lifelong Learning, and um, if you don't mind popping up a presentation for us. Um, Suzanne Purrier, um, who helped us with the retreat, and this, if you think about um, housing um, as the theme last week, housing, a um, lot more uh, that's been going on, uh, frankly, with y'all's discussions and with staff discussion, and we were able to jump right into uh, some, uh, some pretty heavy conversation uh, following the, the housing study and some recommendations that were coming out of that study. Uh, tonight is really more about shaping strategy and, um, and really more of a follow-up uh, to the retreat. Uh, the recommendation that, that we're making to you all and that you all, we really discussed a little bit at the retreat, is really to um, follow the, um, the framework that uh, council used for the Poverty Commission. Uh, not everybody at the table was, was here then, uh, so I think it's good to kind of walk you through that. So what I'm going to do yeah, is um, just remind everybody what that process and framework was, what that looked like. Um, I think one of the things that I'm learning made that process effective was a very um, distinct timeline and agreed upon set of milestones that, that walked you through a process and made sure that you had a, um, a, a, a process that was finished in a couple of years. And um, again, we think that's a successful model uh, that you should follow again. Uh, I'll wrap that up and then what we're really looking to you all is um, what is it you want out of this commission? What, what's the role of the commission? Um, uh, I'll show you what the role of the Poverty Commission was, but uh, that's the, <coughs> going to be the important piece that gives us some direction. And you'll see that we're going to come back to you um, in 45 days or so with a, a lot more detail. Kim? Um, so the Poverty Commission, uh, really uh, pretty straightforward. Most of you know this, but um, uh, established by uh, council resolution, uh, commission that said we want to see some recommendations within, within a year. Uh, the role of that particular commission was to obviously look at poverty in, in Norfolk and to um, bring forward some recommendations around um, educational attainment and employment and um, obviously an end goal of reducing the number of families uh, living in poverty in Norfolk. Um, council designated 34 members for that committee and we would think that you'd have a, a similar size. Um, one of understanding and I think probably made um, uh, the connection, the appropriate connection between council and the commission was you had a couple of co-chairs from the body uh, that served, in that case, uh, 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 Ms. Williams-Graves and uh, Mr. Giro, <coughs> um, and uh, you had, a, as I said earlier, a very distinct timeline. So we know we're going to start this thing in June of 13. 
We're going to finish it in June of 14, uh, set up regular meetings, and we're going to have a 90-minute meeting, uh, no more to, uh, than that, and uh, a good deal of staff support. And uh, so that, uh, much like we're doing with you all in uh, your meetings, is give the group work ahead of time and preparation ahead of time before that meeting, um, whether that was demographic information or information about poverty or some of the things that are happening in other communities, um, an opportunity to, to have thoughtful conversation. Uh, in terms of the structure, um, you had the full commission, and they, apparently they broke pretty quickly into subcommittees. And uh, those subcommittees, um, you can see there, were from <coughs> childhood to um, adult workforce and some neighborhood uh, revitalization and support. Um, those, those committees made recommendations to the full commission and um, had some town hall meetings at the end to, to confirm the recommendations uh, that were coming out. <coughs> Uh, obviously, we staff uh, the commission and have folks from the city manager's office, uh, from development, human services, uh, neighborhood development libraries, and um, ARPOs. So you had a, a lot of talent in the room and then a lot of staff support. Um, and obviously, the final report came out and said, you know, these are the things that we want to, I want you all to work, work toward and um, uh, both short and long-term recommendations. So, so my sense from listening to you all at the retreat, from listening to folks in the community, from listening to my staff, is that this was a, a, a committee process that, that really worked. And I'm not going to talk you through these deadlines more than to just say part of what I think made this successful was you had a very specific task and a set of milestones to hit, and everybody stayed true to that, and you kept that connection uh, to council, and they reported <coughs> back, you know, in July 14 with the, with the report. Um, and so again, I'm going to ask Suzanne to, to jump up, but the, that, that framework of a commission chaired by two council members, of members designated by council, of appropriate staff support, and a very specific role. And again, the, the role here was to examine the nature of poverty in Norfolk and recommend actions that would increase educational attainment and employment and reduce the number of citizens and families living in poverty. So very can I just ask Angela and those that were also on the committee, we thought from the outside anyway that this was a model that worked. Are there recommendations that you all find or would offer that you think might improve upon that model? Um, I think the model worked. I think that um, one of the things that we were successful in terms of putting the, com the commissioners together was um, we utilized individuals who um, had dealings with or serviced um, poor communities or individuals who were in poverty. Excuse me, so we got to understand some of the barriers or issues that were presented to them by their, their service, the people that they serviced, um, as well as some of the things that they ran across as problems as service providers in, able to, in, in order to be able to um, provide a better service. The work groups were really a big part of the success of the group because in addition to the monthly meetings that we held where everyone came together around the table, the individuals who were broken out into work groups, they met more frequently. And I think the biggest part of that was that it wasn't just an ongoing, never-ending, perpetual yeah. committee. It had clear starts. Did you think the number was appropriate? Was it an unwieldy number, or did, was that about right? Well, Pretty you know, you have the number on paper, and then you have the number who actually participated, and the number of people who actually participated ended up working out very well. 
Um, some people sent surrogates, which was fine because they weren't ac actually able to participate themselves, and that worked well. But there's a larger number on paper than actually committed to participating. And so I think, you know, with everything, you kind of get that anyway. So, except this group, y'all show up in. Day or night meeting? <laughs> which did you do? Huh? Day or night um, we did night. We did evening, um, and we also provided food. Um, <laughs> and, and, but I don't know what the, um, I mean, it is. If you're asking people to come out from 5.30 or 6 o'clock to 7 or 8 o'clock at night, um, I think that you don't want them there starving. And um, you don't want KFC here, something else there, all that kind of stuff. So we provided like 30 minutes ahead where we provided um, dinner, food, whatever. And I think that was very helpful um, and considerate also of, of people's time. Thank now, you. what they did in work groups as far as <coughs> meeting, I don't know what those meetings were. They were still in the evening. No, they were, they they were, were during the, the Okay. And I guess the work groups themselves decided on what times, because they were small. They were three, four people. And so they decided on what times were better for the group. And so. I would assume evening meetings would be better for this group as well, because you'll have um, probably representation from like daycare providers mm -hmm. that cannot do it during the day sure. because they're watching kids, even in home, a single daycare provider may want, we may end up appointing somebody that fills that. Mr. McClellan? So this uh, report was delivered two and a half years ago. Uh, in terms of the deliverables and how we are tracking where we are, how is this done? Yeah, we probably should have had Susan Perry here, but um, here. oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Susan, you want to uh, talk about follow-up? Yes, yeah, so um, we produce an annual report, but um, last year, around this time, uh, my position was appointed to specifically do this work every day, so that was one of the outcomes of the report was that somebody needed to wake up thinking about this every day, um, and, and so we're tracking internally those, those measures. And as council, we, we budget, budget chair, it had more of an impact on our budget decisions. It definitely was part of the budget. Because one of the things in the report was this is what we want to do. This is approximately how much it's going to cost. So it's not just what we want to do. We actually put price tags to it so that we knew if it was something we could do that was a low-hanging fruit item or if we needed to put money together over several budget cycles to make it happen. Along those lines, though, I'm sorry. I was just I was reading. The, it was a great report. Really well done. Um, I was familiar with it, but actually looking into the details. Some of the items, though, uh, overlap with education. Okay. And so mm -hmm. I could see a continuation in this concept of a commission on my Because we had education, I mean, of course, you know, representatives from the school board um, who were on the commission as well. And it's actually a couple in different areas. And then after this, we can do economic development. <laughs> well, that, well, the reason why I pitched this commission was actually because there was more work that needed to be done from the Poverty Commission. It, um, there was the whole part on early childhood education, and really nothing has been been done on that that's big um, because we always rely on the school system to handle that. And so trying to get everybody to the table to figure out how we could expand that or what council may end up need to do to 
encourage that um, expansion of early childhood. And then workforce development was also mentioned in there as well. Um, and how do we get people in jobs? Yeah. Mrs. Johnson. So we get an annual report, did you say? Yes, I think that we might want to consider doing more frequent reports and okay. where we are as our tracking system, um, sort of like a checks and balances, um, so that we can, you know, know that we have things moving versus doing an annual report. Okay. okay. So I'd ask Suzanne to just step up. So here's where we're going, and this is great. This is exactly what we wanted with you all thinking through and talking through this. and. Really, the conversation now is give us some direction. At the retreat, we talked a little bit about you know is it uh, is it before school and after school and, and, and adult education and but you know what is what is it that a lifelong learning commission needs to accomplish for us? So Suzanne is going to sort of follow up to her work at the retreat. Thank you, Mr. Mayor and members of council. Thank you. Um, thank you for already uh, starting the discussion. Things I've heard uh, um, that. There seems to be some general interest in following the model of the Poverty Commission because there were some successes, um, a number of successes that were a result of that work. Um, it's recognized that there's some overlap or potential overlap between um, the recommendations of the Poverty Commission and some of the work you all want to continue to do around early education and workforce development. Um, you, I hear you like the idea of um, fairly broad um, diverse um, participation in the commission, and and that that it is a uh, time limit. There is a sunset to it. Um, so what what else are you all thinking that the role of this commission would be? What do you want to accomplish at the end of this twelve months, eighteen months? So I know there's been some discussion about Norfolk Public Schools and their involvement um, in this and what this commission um, could do or not do uh, with Norfolk Public Schools. I, I believe that there's a delicate balance there. This is not meant to um, do anything that the school board is responsible for, but the commission should, um, in, in a sense, they, they have to have a general understanding of how Norfolk Public Schools works. We're looking at data and the, and the, the um, um, their goals, where they're looking to go, um, and possibly assist them um, with some areas of recommendations or things if it's with early childhood expanding pre-K there. But I, um, I know that um, there's been some conversation that the idea is never to take over the school board um, and what they're doing. Um, it's to work along with them. In fact, there should be school personnel as part of this commission as well. Um, <clears throat> so that we're helping, we're assisting because they don't have the resources um, necessary. And there, there may even be a, um, a, a group that breaks off of this, a subcommittee that looks at salaries um, overall um, from what uh, early childhood, what daycare homes make, what um, churches pay their people, what uh, teachers make in North Public Schools compared to other places, what college people make um, in this area. We're involving colleges. That could be one branch, but it's not to tell the school system you need to pay your teachers more um, or the colleges you've got to pay them more. It's to say this is data that we've collected that may in impact that. That would be probably an extreme example, but most of it would be 
I think just working in parallel with our universities and uh, school board and what they're doing and finding out, collecting that data, getting <coughs> that data together and seeing where we're going, what we need to improve upon. Yeah, um, I agree. Also, um, I think that we need to recognize the, the 21st century high demand jobs um, and uh, to, to, to make sure that our workforce development or initiatives are in line and sync <coughs> with what uh, employers are looking for. Uh, and that's in partnership with the vocational and career and technical education and, uh, and the high demand jobs in cybersecurity, advanced manufacturing, uh, healthcare. Mrs. Graves and Mrs. Johnson. Um, one of the things that I would like to uh, make sure that we um, include as a definition of diversity in that we don't just look at white people and black people and rich people and poor people, that we look at <coughs> our Latino population, that we look at our Asian population, um, that we look at the possible need for English as a second language opportunities for our citizens and our residents, um, and so that we are completely inclusive of all of the members of our society when we talk about lifelong learning. Some simple things as acclimation to the city, city services, city resources, for those who don't have English as their first native language. So that would be something that I would like to include it. Mrs. Johnson. Um, we also discussed that we were going to take a look at what Norfolk Public Schools initiatives and priorities were and align them with the city's initiatives and priorities along with taking a look at the state. Um, uh, when we do our legislative packet, we're, we're more in line to what the, the state is, is doing and what is coming down the state pipeline, I think that we should also include Norfolk Public Schools uh, legislative packet and um, how they feel about certain things as far as um, their priorities. So I would like to see that um, a comparison of our alignment with Norfolk Public Schools and the state, so all three agencies. On the high demand jobs, the uh, 21st century learning, the state has put emphasis again on those high demand uh, areas. And with teachers and the business community and education experts uh, to ensure uh, that we meet the demand uh, for, uh, for the employers. So that's vocational, technical, career, education, getting um, our citizens certification that they need so they can enter into uh, into the into the uh, uh, to the market a lot of those jobs uh, don't necessarily require a four-year degree but they do require an industry recognized certification or some type of industry recognized certificate and these are high-paying jobs and so if we're going to uh, talk about uh, lifelong learning <coughs> we have to include that 21st century um, uh, learning initiative in there. And also, Mr. Mayor, um, the, the business uh, district is looking for, we're, we're focused on STEM, but one area of STEM and, and STEAM, I think it's called, um, is the engineering part. 
we're not doing so well with the engineering part of, of STEM. We're missing out on that part um, as far as the business world um, is um, concerned. And it's very important to them that we address the concerns of the engineering. We, we're not doing well with that. Oh, Andrea. High level, fifty thousand level. I mean, trying to understand what we want out of this, right? It's, it's what we want is we want people to want to live in Norfolk because they're going to get great education for themselves, for their kids. They're going to be well prepared for their jobs. And companies are going to want to locate here. I mean, that's sort of is that what we're? And then yes. sort of we from there we get into some minutia of things. Very and, well how do, and what are the different groups that touch that? including Norfolk Public Schools, but a higher education. Our and that's what we did with the Poverty churches. Commission. Yeah. That's basically what we did with the commissioners was we looked at what we were trying to, um, what we what we looked at was what we were trying to accomplish. And then what are, who are the people, who are the industries who participate, if you will, or work in that <laughs> environment or, or, or have some, can have some input. That's exactly what we did with the Poverty Commission. Yeah. I, would, I would just add to that that I think you also want an educated community. Yes. Right. And so, although the what you're talking about those other things, I mean that really is what we're talking about: literacy, all that. I'll add at an even higher level. You know, I've talked about this for several meetings. We all mouth the words about regionalism, but yet somehow we're not doing it. I think this is a great chance for us to do this and for us to reach out to other communities and see some ways that we can start. We've got Gold Virginia and all the names that that comes from, and this is perfect um, opportunity for us for us to start with that. So I, I'd really like to see us um, use that as a kind of an overarching. Mr. Smigel to Mrs. Grace. And that's what I was going to say with Terry with Gold Virginia. I don't know if this commission actually will help us maybe with making an argument to um, go after some funding um, for a specific project. It has to be two communities, right? Yeah, two, right, so. two, well, two communities or uh, two universities, mm -hmm. uh, uh, two uh, social systems. Um, so so um, maybe ask earlier about, you know, what the state is doing and what the state has put emphasis on is on, again, this 21st century um, uh, <coughs> workplace. And, and, and the data that that we have received that that workplace um, will require one graduate degree you know two bachelor's degrees <coughs> but seven uh, individuals with an associate or an industry recognized certification uh, that's what that new <coughs> 21st century workplace looked like and so this lifelong learning uh, part of it is again uh, recognizing what the industry industries are looking for in that we have the programs and services and resources in place. Mrs. Graves. I think we, when we had a conversation about housing and we were talking about the median sales price or median rent level of housing, Martin made um, a very um, ingenious is a word that comes to mind, but I'm, it may not be the one that I'm thinking of, um, a comment about how do we raise the income levels of our residents. It seems, instead of trying to lower the prices of housing and lower the pricing of rent, how do we, and that goes to what Terry just said about 
educated, having an educated citizen, citizenry, or having as educated residents. So the people have better skill sets, the idea is that they will be able to get better jobs so that they will be able to afford nicer quality housing, more expensive housing, whatever you want to call it, and that their children are getting a quality education in that all in that same environment. So it kind of all ties together to like what you said, and I think that was like at the retreat or something. Uh, Mr. Yeah. Grace, one of the things that the governor often cite, and you've heard him, like the cybersecurity jobs mm -hmm. that's available. Mm -hmm. uh, all you need is an industry-recognized certification, and that job, annual salary is $95,000. Uh, electrician, $47,000. Network support specialist, $65,000. Welder, $40,000. A pharmacy technician, $32,000. Dental assistant, $36,000. And an industry mechanic, uh, $45,000. I need to ditch grass gold. <laughs> <laughs> so the industry work, the industry recognized certification or the certificate is golden. Yeah. That is the fastest way to build a middle class. Um, and yeah. so um, this is what color. I would just suggest that we look at this always with a framework or a lens with technology in mind. I mean, I think Norfolk should be the most technologically advanced city in the state. Forget the reason, in the state. And as we think about learning, all of the jobs that you mentioned, even the welder, they all require technology in some shape or form or fashion. Not necessarily a degree, but a competency with coding and with computers and technology. And so it's one of the things that I think we really need to continue to stress in everything that we do with regards to this. We should provide online learning that is available to all of our kids as well as those who aren't in our school system um, and, and make that a part of everything that we do as council, etc. I mean, continue to push out information about what we do and how we operate, for example. And, and that is, as you know, really consistent with your approach to your strategic work. It's been the housing safety education supported by infrastructure and resilience and technology. Um, so we, we've not heard from Mr. Thomas or Mr. Riddick. I just want to make sure that if you had any thoughts on it. Angela already called me a genius. I should probably just keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm good. I missed that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Close attention. Yes. <laughs> Mr. Riddick, you want to add? You good? Yeah. All right, thank you. Um, can I just do a real fast recap? Nope. No, you um, so that we, um, you know, you want to always begin with the end in mind. What do you want to accomplish? What do you want this commission to do? What is the charge, the charter, you know? And, and that is to really look at lifelong learning in its broadest sense so that you have a literate, well-educated, successful community um, where people want to live, work, play. Um, we heard that um, the commission itself um, should be truly diverse um, and that there are opportunities to perhaps align with state efforts um, the uh, efforts of the Norfolk Public School and the school board and um, of the region. Uh, and we, um, we looked at um, some of the um, issues to drill down on, particularly um, around early childhood, um, uh, 21st century work sites, the idea that people uh, can make um, living wages with jobs that have um, industry-wide certification that feeds into your workforce development efforts, um, and um, and um, how you um, continue 
to build in the component of technology in, in all that you do. Anything that I missed? Anything to add? Thank you for your time. Suzanne, that was great. I think we have some you next steps really quickly. Oh, was clear. There we go. And I'll leave them for. So what we're going to do is, is really take the next month and take what you all told us, frame it up into what will ultimately be a resolution that we would bring back to you all on the 9th of May with uh, recommendations on uh, to, to make this look just like the framework that, that you have for the Poverty Commission. Uh, and included in that would be um, recommendation for the membership and um, your validation of that as part of that resolution. I just uh, have a question. So I, I assume that the universities, TCC, um, ODU, Norfolk State, Virginia Wesleyan, ODU, we would all want them to have, are you going to look for um, specific names or are you going to ask those universities to appoint somebody to this? So just so we have an idea, do you want us to recommend specific people um, for this or just the organizations that would have representation I think you can do both. If you've got specific people you think would be talented from Old Dominion or Norfolk State or wherever, let, let us have those. And we'll, we'll bet them and, and, and I say bet them, we'll sort of get them on a list and try and come up with something that's well balanced. But I, frankly, I'd say both. I, I do think it would be well to make sure that these are people that are interested. You know, when you talked about how many came versus how many were invited. Um, you know, sometimes the names we know are pretty busy and they're limited with who comes. I think letting the, the schools, especially on the community level, letting them um, letting them participate. And the other piece to that also is if we're looking at the colleges and universities, <coughs> having a um, a student um, participate as well. So a student from Tatwater, a student from Norfolk State, a student from Old Dominion um, to participate in, in like an intern level or or something because they're. They're the end user of the education system, no matter what it is. Having um, a student from each of the four, four or five high schools that we have, and they're, you know, what is to incorporate what their experiences are, especially when you talk um, to T TCC, because you have more of a working class student. So they are able to tell us what they're finding in the workplace as their experience, in their own experience. So um, having those individuals um, as well, because everybody fi ultimately finds a place, you know, but I think it would be great to have that also. Maybe an opportunity for the NEL um, program to have interns um, this summer, if this is going to be starting up this summer, working as part of this. Um, I don't know how you've laid out your 200 and something, I think it is. That's such a good segue. Yeah, that are working <laughs> on that. Um, I will also say, I didn't bring it today, but I have a, when I was um, asked Bernard to send me the language on the Poverty Commission to align this with that, I had come up with a list of possible organizations, just I didn't have the names of people, so on that. Andrew brought up two private schools. Right, well, yeah. And, you, and I think yeah. we ought to include that. And churches that have daycare center, there's a whole yeah. group on that list. So we're going to need a bigger room, we're yeah. need a bigger book. Yeah. And our technical schools too, like Tidewater Tech, um, Fortis College, um, they address those um, scholars who are in the workforce already, and they can tell us exactly what their experience is, as you said, Councilwoman. Great. 
Maybe we should meet at the main and that all uh, frame center of excellency, <laughs> or whatever it's where they have. Yes. So on May the 9th, we will create the commission. So no, I, we, yeah, that would be our thought. Would be there would be a resolution that sort of lays all this out. And, and so we'll we'll certainly chat some more about this. But that's kind of just what you know the time frame we're on. Do, do you have somebody heading this up so my lawyer can work with them? Um, so I think if you bring it from me for now, part of what we want to do is not get ahead of you all. Uh, heard that phrase before. Don't get ahead of council. So I wanted to hear what you all said, <laughs> what you wanted to um, uh, accomplish tonight, and then uh, we'll bring that back to you. But we'll work uh, closely with you. All right, Mr. Manager. What's All right. Next? So, so, Mr. Pringle gave us a great. Suzanne, thanks Thank a ton. We're, we're Thank very you, fortunate Suzanne. to have yeah. Suzanne sort of stay looped in on, <clears throat> on these things for us and, and, and keep you connected to the, um, uh, the conversations at the retreat. Uh, so, Daryl Crittenden is going to step up and, and announce, and, and obviously, the Director of um, Recreation, Parks, Open Space. Uh, this Norfolk Emerging Leader is now, um, on one hand, I think it's extremely well known by the, 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 the organization and, the, and the, the, really this room. I'm not sure it's as well known by the community. It's a phenomenal program. It, it, and as I said at the beginning, one of the slides you're going to see of the talent that has come out of that uh, is really a great story. And, um, uh, and then um, I think he's going to introduce Wayne Green, who will step up and give more details. But Daryl, glad to have you. Good evening, Mr. Mayor, Council Members, Mr. Manager. Since, 10th, to, since 2011, the Department of Recreation, Parks, and Open Space has hosted the NAIL program. And it's with great pride that I say that each year our number of participants, the funding levels have risen since 2011. There have been opportunities for workforce development for youth. There have been opportunities from private businesses internal department, and I want to say our youth in that program have really thrived. So, I mean, we're really excited this year with our addition of 2017. We have new leadership. We have Wayne Green, our assistant director, provides the overall management of the program. Alana Smith, who's our new program, NAIL program coordinator, who actually provides the day-to-day -day supervision of the NAIL program. And basically with their expertise, their knowledge, and resources and contacts throughout the city, we're looking to really enhance the program this year, provide worthwhile opportunities for all youth and those involved in the program. So without further ado, I'm going to turn the podium over tonight to Wayne Green, our assistant director. He'll be making the presentation. Thank you, Darrell. Good evening, Mr. Mayor, City Council, um, City staff. My name is Wayne Green. I'm the assistant director of Recreation Parks and Open Space. Uh, as we move forward toward a full accreditation of our department, it is programs such as the Norfolk Emerging Leaders Program that is helping us get there. Um, uh, Daryl mentioned that our new coordinator is Ms. Alana Smith, and this will tell you a lot about the program. Alana went to Granby High School. Alana went to the University of Virginia. Alana was one of the early participants in the executive internship program. Alana became a nail, a nail counselor. Alana came inside of the organization as a recreation specialist, and now Alana has been selected to be the nail coordinator. So there is no one that knows this program better than Alana Smith. But none of this could have happened without the support of the administration and with Daryl Crittenden, because in 2011, we took a summer recreation summer jobs program and we turned it into a full-scale work development program so what i mean by that is the program went from 
providing jobs for young people to be in a rec center or in public works to having the foundation and understanding of what it takes to not only have a job, but to be able to keep a job. So with that said, we have a brief presentation for you to, that really talks about this program transitioning from a summer employment program to workforce development. This program is exposing our youth to public service. We're attracting talent to the city and it's helping youth gain a valuable work experience. So the Norfolk Emerging Leaders Program is in three phases. The first phase is the Emerging Leader Program, and it's a seven-week program for youth ages 16 and 19. What makes this component of the program so exciting, because many of you will remember that the federal government used to have summer job employment programs. I think some of them were called speedy, but because there were federal funds attached to it, there were a lot of restrictions to the program. This program is fully funded by the taxpayer dollars of Norfolk. So that means that all Norfolk youth ages 16 and 19 are eligible to participate in this program. Whether you go to a public, pro public school, whether you go to a private school, whether you're homeschooled, you're eligible to participate in this program. Whether your parents make a zillion dollars or whether your parents make one dollar, you're eligible to participate in this program. If you are interested in serving your community, <coughs> learning about the goals of what public service does, this program is potentially for you. We have 19 city departments that are actively engaged in this program, but we have a bunch of departments that are providing the backbone of the program. We have the city attorney's office, we have human resources, we have finance, making sure that the young people get checks. So there are a lot of people that are making this thing happen. Then we have our executive intern program, and this program is for 13 superstars. There's no other way to discuss these young people that are coming from colleges and universities from throughout the state as well as throughout the, the nation. We have a fellow now that's in resiliency that is coming from the University of Texas at Austin. We've had uh, executive interns that have come from a, a student that was from Virginia that went to school in Spain that came back to participate in this program. So at the end of this program, you'll see some of that talent that we've been able to retain inside of the organization. And then we have the fellows program. This program is for either one or two um, individuals that have completed graduate school that they're doing intensive analysis inside of the organization. We have a person now that is in resiliency that is working on that um, program in, in the fellow program and she would be going into her second year in that program. Um, they say uh, pictures worth a thousand words. I'm going to tell you that a testimonial will go inside your consciousness. We have a quick video for you. My name is Alicia. When I first joined the NEO program, I worked in library aid. The adults and even students were friendly. That was a tough summer for me because I had lost my father, but the leaders of the program helped me overcome that hardship. My name is Howard. As part of the Nell Executive Intern Program, I was in Human Resources at City Hall learning about the importance of classification and compensation, as well as the methodology for creating and distributing policy directives. The experience directly supported my graduate degree, and I now have skills that will help in my career pursuits. If there's one area of the program where we believe that we need to do more work, and we can do more work, and we've devoted a lot of attention to it in the last several years, and that is an outreach. As the manager indicated at the very beginning, the people inside this room, they really know about the program. 
It's the people outside of the room that we are really trying to engage and work with. So we have developed a number of partnerships with Norfolk Public Schools, with the private schools, with uh, local universities, with universities throughout the state. In fact, I went on some crazy voyage last, um, last spring that I went to seven universities throughout the state in like one and a half days because that former budget director, Sabrina Joy Hawk, she wasn't going to pay for a hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Not two nights anyway. So, <laughs> so, we, so we did the whirlwind, man. So we went all over the place. So we've been really engaged. We've been working with community organizations such as Clean. We've been working with um, Opportunity, Inc. Um, we are now a full partner in the Jobs Plus program that um, Norfolk Redevelopment Housing Authority has received a federal grant for. So we're working with NRHA on this program. We have um, direct relationships with colleges and universities. And the thing that young people like, we're now expanding out into social media to, um, to really get the word out about the program. So the demographics of the program. So when we um, started um, this initiative, I believe um, many, many years ago as a summer program, we were probably talking about 100 youth to be able to come inside the uh, organization. We're now up to 250 participants. We have a little uh, overfill that we do. So last year we had 253 um, through attrition because people go back to school early. They go into other activities. Last year we finished the program with 220 participants. We had 19 departments that provided job opportunities and 70 work sites. So it's not just coming into a recreation center and working with young people that throw off the ball. This is really about leadership development. This is about youth development, helping young people achieve their personal potential, trying to see what new opportunities are out there and available for them. So we have opportunities where people working in traffic engineering or they're working out in Parks and parks and forestry, or in streets and bridges, or they are working side by side with a biologist at the um, Morris Bridges plant. So there are all types of opportunities for young people in our um, 16 to 19 year old program. So for 2017, we have the program budgeted for 250 participants. We had 674 applicants for the for the program. Um, 127 of those participants. Oh, applicants, they have previously participated in the program, so they're going to want to potentially come back to the program. And then we have um, 548 or 81% that had not previously participated in the program. Our executive intern program, this is for our college students, as we discussed. This is for 13 positions. Um, when 2011, we revamped the program, there was no college component to the program. When we started the college, program. Essentially, they work in individual departments. What we saw was the opportunity because this age group, they really like to work in teams. They like to work collectively. And we created this cohort, cohort concept. This concept provides the opportunity for young people to work together and then create deliverables that increase the efficiency and effectiveness of the organization. There are projects that have just hung around, that they've come in, hit the ground running, and they've taken over those projects. One of the cohorts last year was at Old Dominion University, where they had four engineering students that worked on an app for us. Um, in 2016, we had 123 applicants for the program. In 2017, we, have, we had 127. Um, interviews will commence next week for the program. 
There were 18 Virginia colleges and universities where students applied to the program and nine from out-of-state colleges and universities. <clears throat> Training elements. So it's not just that we bring you on and have you work in the summer. We have a support network, a structure to the program. And for both our um, um, 16 and 19-year-old program as well as our executive intern program, there is a detailed um, training program that goes with the program. So as you all know, that word repurposing comes in. So sometimes we're not going to get additional money. So what we have to do is we have to reinvent ourselves. So one of the ways we reinvented ourselves is we came back in-house to the Department of Human Resources, and Human Resources, they created a world-class training program for us for both our 16 and 19-year-old programs. Our 16 and 19-year-olds, they will be focusing this year on conflict resolution as well as um, resume, resume writing and interviewing skills. That's what they will be focusing on because at some point, summertime will be over, and you're going to need another job. So we're going to help them get there. I remember back in 2013 when we went totally to electronic um, application process, there was some concern about that process. But if you go out into the world today, that's the only way that you're going to be able to apply for a job. So we're getting our young people ready for what's going on in the actual work environment. So for the 16 and 19 year olds, they get the two-day training. And then for our executive intern, they get five um, training sessions. Um, that they will take place throughout the summer. So the, the proof um, of the success of this program, especially with our executive interns, is if you look out on the program, you will see names that some of them are in this room right now, and some of them are scattered throughout this organization. But not only inside this organization, there's a young man, John Garrett, who I just think is a fabulous human being. So he works for one of our mm -hmm. local banks. But he was an executive intern. So if they don't come here, there is some organization in this area that they may end up with. And that's the goal of the program, is how do we retain this talent inside of the city of Norfolk? Questions? I think this yes, is great. Internships for me were foundational for my success later in life. Um, so I'm huge on this. You know we've talked about this. As I look at this, I wonder why we don't have more executive interns, the college level. If you had 127 for 13 spots, you only were able to take 10% versus, what, 657 for 250 slots. Maybe there's an opportunity to balance some of those numbers out. And those are the kids who are getting closer to graduating and come back here and be part of the workforce, too. So I don't know if there's been any thought to that as well. So, so it's a sweet spot. So 2011, we came in work to find what would work best. And these cohorts, I mean, equals, equals us in numbers, and we find it's uh, just bandwidth, right? So that's sharp kids for a certain amount of time, and if it gets any bigger, in my opinion, it becomes really hard to have a deliverable. So that's why we use dedicate, like last year we used public safety. We found folks who have criminal justice background, who want to become police officers, or go into some kind of dedicated public safety service. And we funnel them right in there. So I, I, I understand where you are, and plus, Part of what I think Wayne would share too is, on average, we're now uh, partnering with Norfolk Southern and other intern programs to where these groups come together and they become kind of support systems for each other. So when they're talking about coming back, we want them to come back to Norfolk. So they're creating connections. So through Barry Bishop and Mary Miller with Downtown Norfolk Council, they've helped stage outside. So no, no, do you get the professional <coughs> you get the 
um, fun opportunity to be together and do bike rides and uh, boat sailing and some other things. So just to, I, we could probably go just a little bit bigger, but I wouldn't get too big because then I don't know if they're going to get the same kind of structured specific opportunity, but it's something we always can look at. Mrs. Johnson. Mr. Green. Yes, ma'am. So one of my questions um, was how many participants you answered that. How do we market or outreach to um, the city? And you explained through the colleges and universities, nonprofit organization, and NRHA. Um, this is a wonderful um, program. I can um, say that I believe in it. Um, but how could we possibly uh, um, assist your program by um, having a sort of boots on the ground type uh, outreach going on? Um, meaning that although we're marketing and we're outreaching to the colleges and universities, majority of our citizens still don't know about this wonderful um, program. So I would possibly like to see how we could um, join together and go out into the various communities and have a direct impact to the citizens and see what we could possibly open up um, that way. Okay. Um, uh, Mr. Crittenden has a vision. And one of the things that um, he has talked about is getting us to look at um, going out more into the community. Yeah. But the other piece of it is, at some point, the organization is capped in regards to how many jobs we actually can have, right? So at some point, we're going to have to go out to the private sector and say, private sector, how do you, you create or work with us on a model that, that has a sign or something that says, we are youth friendly, we're ready to hire youth. How do we do that partnership? So, um, I got you. yeah. Okay. I got so one of the um, Tom, before one of the challenges that that you are experiencing right now, you had over six hundred and seventy-four around about to apply, and you started off with about two hundred and fifty-three, and at the end of the program, it, it was down two twenty. So I don't think there's a, a, a issue with the the uh, the demand. Uh, it's just the capacity to provide the opportunities. Going outside of the, the city into the private sector may be the cure, and that's going to take probably uh, partnership and partnership uh, uh, with the with the with the business community, as well as with you know with, with some of the industries. And so, so that's what we used to do. Paul, do you remember? You know, yeah, that's yeah. how we started. We started yeah. this, uh, uh, internships sorry. with private. Yes. So, uh, Paul, before you go, uh, Tommy was waiting in the queue, did not go to you, yeah. Mr. Riddick. Okay, thank you, Wayne. Always entertaining. Uh, I just, um, and it, it's, it, I don't want you to take this as a criticism at all. It's an outstanding program. Um, but the you have a lot of applications, and when you have a lot of applications, and I know this because I'm, that's how my school operates, uh, there's always people who point fingers about how people get selected. So just um, as you continue growing and you have a wonderful young woman running the program, Granby graduate. Um, UVA graduate. UVA, well, Wah -wah. we'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> uh, but um, that you look at things like, the, you know, I know in the past there's, you know, accusation made that more of the employees' kids get picked for this program or they knew about it so they applied for it. 
before it got out to other kids in the community. I also heard that more private school kids get picked for this program because they really push it. I don't believe any of that is true. Uh, and, and so I just want to make sure that as you guys continue to work on developing this program that you look at that fidelity of the application process and how people are picked for it and making sure that you're getting that diverse representation of our community. I mean, I, there was even one lady said that there were Virginia Beach kids that were getting picked, you know, for this. And how did Virginia Beach kids get put in it? They, you know, they lied and said they had a Norfolk address. I, you know, I'm used to that. I don't buy any of that stuff. You know, I think you guys run an outstanding program. But I just think that as you go forward and you continue to grow and develop that application, you may want to, you know, put even guidelines on there like that. That I don't know. I've never seen the application. So I don't know what's out there. But um, you guys do an outstanding job with it. I know so many young people through the school system that have gone through this. And it really does work um, with them being developed in the future leaders. And as I've discussed before, I really hope that uh, you guys will link to the leadership camp that Katie Arroyo does for Norfolk Public Schools kids and get those kids that if they attend that camp, that they, they actually can get a spot on this because we're, they're already being trained in that leadership camp, but helping to grow that um, program as well that we've been doing. So I, I think there's a we're creating future competition for us as well um, and running against us, and that's okay. So develop those future leaders and, and uh, keep on doing a great job. Mr. Riddick. Yeah, uh, yeah, Doc Wilbert, I, I do re remember. I actually, I, hate, I always hate to say I, but I actually initiated this program in 1995. George Crawley was the assistant city manager and we did start off with a few uh, jobs, maybe 90 or 100. And I'm really proud to see how it has evolved. But one thing that, uh, that concerns me is that I'd like to make sure that, uh, that these jobs reach youngsters who are right at the poverty level that we're talking about. And, you know, somebody said that you get all your jobs, uh, you know, by computers. I also want to make sure, and this you probably hide out of the gap, but um, that make sure that, um, that these jobs reach youngsters, you know, that don't have computers. Now, I can truthfully say that I've spoken to uh, a few parents that live in the public housing community, and we've been successful in reaching them. And so I just hope that we can continue to do that and maybe next year could be uh, another 10 jobs at the uh, intern level as well as the uh, 19, 16 to 19 year old level. And years ago I had spoken to the NRHA and I don't know whether they um, have uh, are providing jobs, but I'd always thought that it would be good if you could take a youngster you can start them off in the 10th grade and let them rotate, uh, whether it's carpentry, you know, electricity, and and also administratively. And they, after the second year, say, well, heck, I, I like electricity. You know, let me get into that. Well, I like carpentry. So this is why we have to expose our youngsters to uh, a variety of, uh, of occupations. Um, maybe next year, the police chief can find some national grants because there have to be some national grants out there because most communities are trying to get uh, younger people to embrace you know, public safety. And the same with the fire department. And so uh, I just really believe that we can continue to uh, make this grow. And I don't know whether any other communities around have it, but I know we've had it you know, since 1995. And 
I'm just proud of the way it has evolved and just and, and Wayne I think your enthusiasm also adds to the ambiance of the presentation so keep Thank it up you, Thank Mrs. Graves. Yeah, I just want to say um, I really am excited about this program. I remember when we changed it from the Norfolk Garden Alarm program over to the Norfolk Emerging Leaders program. And to see the program evolve from where it was when I came on council to what you all envisioned and are now bringing forth is really, really great. Do we still have the 2.0 grade point average requirement for students? Yes. yes. Yes, we do. Okay. Yes. All right. That that's great. And um, and the other thing that I just want to say, I, I like the idea that we don't have. I mean, I know we probably could hire a few more students, but I kind of like the idea of the exclusivity of it. I mean, working for the city is a big deal, and I think that once we put the characters, the, the criteria out there, and let people know about it, and they know that it's not just your average minimum wage job or whatever. I think that the exclusivity of coming to work for the city, it really is a big deal, and I really do like it. And last year, I was um, working, um, I would spend the day at SunTrust Bank, and there were several young people who were coming in, and they had their NEL um, lanyards on, and they were cashing their paychecks. And so I think that's a great thing, but I also think that's one of the other things that we do have to consider as we expand the program. There's a lot of human resource time that goes into new hires. And so we have to consider that as well when we talk about expanding it. It's not just bringing on more kids, but it's also, um, you know, whatever background checks have to be done for wherever they're going to be working and then getting them into the system and getting them ID numbers and all that kind of stuff. So that's also something that we have to consider as well um, when we talk about expanding the program. But great job. It is absolutely, this is amazing. Thank you. Yeah. This is McClellan. So do we as a council do anything to support this? Do we We fund it. We pay for it. We pay for it. Well, I would, I would be happy to have uh, a lunch or host an outing or a dinner or something like that with council members who would like to join me. Because I think it's important for our interns to also have the opportunity to interact with their elected leaders. So I don't know to what extent we've done in the past, but we can brainstorm sure. on it. Um, I think it's important for them to, to know us too and to understand what it is to run for office and as Tommy said hope, hope to inspire them to do so one day. Well we actually have in the past at what is it closing day into the it's somewhere around yeah, there where we have had um, various council members who have come and spoken to the, the young to the people and answered questions and explained what we do and that kind of thing. We actually have done that for several years in a row now. So it's a part of the program. Yep. And then they do lunch after. Yes. Out in the uh, foyer there. All right. All right. So, Mayor, there's so much to like in that. A creative, innovative program that, frankly, has gotten just embedded in the culture of this organization. And so I think you all should be very proud of that. Uh, one of the things we're also trying to do is, is get folks like um, Wayne and Alana in front of you all to see that um, there's a lot of talent in this organization doing a lot of good work. So we appreciate you all. We've got time, I think, to talk about ARB process tonight that's on your agenda. And Bernard, I don't know if that's you or Brett that's better to talk through what's going to go on out front. Oh, the um, Certificate of Appropriateness Appeal? Um, yes, that um, you have on your agenda tonight uh, a gentleman who wants to um, demolish an apartment building that he owns in the Freemason Historic District, I think is the neighborhood. And 
it's a, um, a Gantt. It's in the Gantt Historic District. And what I wanted to talk to you about is just give you an opportunity to, um, um, I'll run through the process quickly. It's very simple. Uh, somebody from the staff, I believe Lenny and another planning person, will bring you up to date on the status, the application, um, um, ARB's review and recommendation, and, and introduce it. That'll be followed by the applicant who has up to 15 minutes to um, make his case. The burden is on him in our business to um, convince you, you're sitting as a judge in this again, um, his burden is to convince you that it's not economically feasible to renovate this um, project. And so if you can, if you agree with him, uh, you can uh, uh, vote yes and grant his appeal. If you disagree with him, you would vote no. So he has 15 minutes that he can um, divide up to make his case. Then anybody in the public who has interest in the matter gets up to our three minutes to address it. And then at the end, the applicant can take a, a last three minutes for any rebuttal um, that has been given, caused by any other speaker. That's it in a nutshell. Uh, your question, what you'll be voting on tonight, is whether the applicant has met his burden of convincing you that the property is not economically um, feasible to maintain and, and renovate. And I'll go ahead and run out a, a little bit that um, if you determine that he's not met his burden and vote no on the applicant, then the state code um, requires us to have in our city code, which we do have, the ability for him to market the property. And um, if he cannot sell it within 12 months for its fair market value, then he has the right to demolish it by having demonstrated that um, uh, the marketplace will not purchase it. So I just wanted to run through the process. You'll hear the case tonight, and, and I, I don't know if that brief um, process leaves you with any questions about the process. Dr. Wibley. So are we going to be reviewed on what the city has done as far as code enforcement on this property? Uh, Lenny, are you doing the city's introduction? The, the code enforcement essentially began over the condition of the building. The, the applicant bought the building uh, and another one just down the block. He bought 511 grade and he bought 616 grade. Um, he ended up selling 511 and it's been very successfully rehabilitated. Uh, I will have a slide that will show you some pictures of that one. This one he's been on the market with. The first person who wanted to buy it wanted to tear it down and build townhouses. There have been other people discussing with the owner rehabilitation of the building. Um, as you know, the older buildings in the historic districts are eligible for historic tax credits. They're also eligible for city tax abatement, which makes the ability to rehabilitate an older, uh, in poor condition building a lot more feasible than what's otherwise. The, so the code enforcement, if the building is kept secure and you cannot enter the building, that's in compliance with code Rogers. Uh, it's his bureau that handles that. Yeah, the only reason we have it on our radar screen is to get the uh, community, uh, it's four properties that they asked us to give them an update every uh, a month on, and that 616 is one of them. But again, it's in compliance because, again, it is secure and there's no code enforcement uh, that we can put on that property. I mean, is anybody else troubled by the fact that somebody can buy a property, let it 
um, run down to the point where nobody wants to buy it and then says, well, couldn't get a good offer for it, and now I get to tear it down. Yes. Um, can I, mean, I, can I uh, be a little bit rude and, and ask you to be careful to not discuss the case? Yeah, uh, about, yeah due process. That, um, that question, if you could save it for... Um, the, the, the hearing might be a little bit better time so for it. So why don't we... I, I just don't want to get to right, the merits. so then let right? me ask one other thing. Are we aware of any offers on this property? Yes. We'll do that upstairs? Yeah, so what we're going to do right, right now so is give you So basically, I should just be quiet now. This was about the <laughs> process Something you've been wanting to say to me for a long time. Go for it. Shut up, We can say it. Go for it. Mr. Manager. All right, so, uh, Mayor, we've got uh, three real estate items for a closed session. Uh, Mr. Clerk. Good the members of council assemble in informally and closed meeting <clears throat> on March 28, 2017 at 6.10 p.m. For the purpose set out in clause 3 of, sex, of subsection A of section 2.2 of 3711 Virginia Freedom of Information Act, that is the discussion of the disposition of publicly owned real property in the Lamberts Point, Midtown Industrial, and Ocean View areas of the city. Ms. Graves? Aye. Ms. Johnson? Aye. Ms. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Riddick? Aye. Mr. Smeagle? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. Dr. Webley? Aye. Mr. Alexander? Okay. Aye. 